All right, what's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today for episode number one, the initial episode of the Heavy Galaxy Show, right here on the CMS Network at cmspn.com. My name is Matt Hartnett, and here with me is the other half of the show, the heavy rock mayor of the Las Vegas Strip from Vegas Rock Revolution and the Doomed and Stone Show, Mr. John Gist, who just happens to be celebrating his birthday today. 39 years old oh today, God. right, John? 39? Yeah. <laughs> it is birthday time and uh you know you got to celebrate it because just having one's a victory really it means you made it another year i agree and if you want to make it another year that, that's good news it's like a win absolutely absolutely you want anything 54 going? today man 54 all right 54 years young and strong and man that's and still rocking out there doing what you do man we're gonna you know before we uh get into things i definitely want to talk about just let the listeners know and the viewers know really, I mean, who we are. I mean, obviously some watching this will will know me. A lot will know, of course, you, but not know myself or you. So uh, first thing I want to do is talk about, like I said, who we are. Why don't you go ahead and tell everyone, John, what you do. Obviously, you're, as I just mentioned, Vegas Rock Revolution, Doomed and Stone Show. You do a whole lot for the music business, man. Heavy rock scene specifically. Go ahead and, and let everyone know what you what your expertise are in the nah, uh, you got industry. it all covered already. No, nah, I'm joking. No, nah, you got I, more than that. <laughs> I, I can't go in and talk too much about myself. You can ask much along the way, but I started Vegas Rock Revolution like ah, it's like I think going on six years at least. Um, when I started going to shows and there was no one at shows, hardly like I saw Spirit Caravan, Elder, and Monster Generator with about 20 people. <laughs> oh, wow. That was a good lineup six, six, seven years ago. And mm. now it's like a dream lineup. But I just mm. looked around and just gotten divorced, quit a high paying job. And uh, it's just like, man, I think I could do better than that. <laughs> I mean, it was that simple. I just mm. saw shows and saw they weren't advertising at all. Um, flyers, posters weren't. I mean, there was nothing much of anything going on. Mm. Uh, people just thought they'd book a show and, and, People either show or they don't. And so I've been in marketing, you know, marketing, sales, advertise, uh, mainly marketing for since like 93. So okay. it just felt natural to just try to make some things happen and and just start bringing in cool, 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 like uh, uh, concerts, put together some cool ones. Then I got hit up once in a while by tour packages. And yeah, early bands were like Voight Vader, mm. uh, House of Broken Promises with Arthur C. Nice. It was in Unita. Mm -hmm. um, Great band. Salem's Band. Avon, which has Alfredo Hernandez oh, yeah. from Pius and Queens of Stone Age. Mm -hmm. uh, had them early on and the, the Rare Breed. And then soon after that was Sasquatch. Uh, hell, Sasquatch, Truck Fighters, Mothership, and House of Broken Promises in the same night. That's and that's what I was throwing in the fire. Yeah. Um, I got forced to take, I already had Sasquatch set in Houseburg mm -hmm. Promises. And all was truck fighters, I get hit up about these guys with Mothership. Jeez. The same night. They're like, well, wow. we're going to book somewhere else. I'm like, no. <laughs> I, I know enough to know that's fucking disaster. And, you know, truth be told, I kind of got, you know, I got I got bent over on how much I spent on the show. Um it's probably the music, man. People are like, well, you got the band's going to get paid. You know, like, <laughs> there's literally not sometimes enough revenue to pay what they think they're supposed to get paid mm -hmm. in this um, region or this market. So 
there's you have to know your own market. So, anyways, that was an unbelievably fun night. Uh, but yeah, I lost money. <laughs> I had like low pan one night as well, and some okay. other cool bands. And um, you know, just got into it. Then I started doing some radio shows here or there. Um, mm-hmm. and it, it was oh, it was pretty fun. Some of them, some of them, you know, like one of them, the the owner of the show was just. Just did not like me, and so it just got sucked <laughs> after a while, you know. Mm-hmm. Just like, dude, why are you so fucking bitter? <laughs> God, just some people just, uh, just have it that way, you know. And you get treated like shit, and you're like, all right, here we go. Um, and you know, done, did Planet Desert Rock and and all that good stuff. Uh, done three now. Just finished up my uh, third one, which was actually fantastic. Garcia oh, yeah. and Nebula each headlining a night. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. Uh, a festival where everyone I, mean, I call it a weekend or not a festival and everyone had a great time and the bands made money i made some money for the, the first time <laughs> like the, the amount of money i lost in the second one matt not good it's, yeah it haunts me to this day oh and man i couldn't control myself on the spending you know mm-hmm. and just kept giving and giving and giving and uh yeah Tens of thousands, you know, just Oof. you go oh, back wow. and you look at your business credit card and you're like, fuck. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have that to live. Oof. Yeah. That's... So anyways, anyway, yeah. We learn as we go. And um, yeah, I just have a massive belief in what music is out there right now coming out of the, this branch of heavy rock. Yeah. And I believe in two branches of heavy rock. There's the heavy rock that is basically... Formed and branded by Sirius XM Radio, where I watched them go from like 2010, 2011, where they, they had some normal good rocking bands, like more in the vein of straightforward, you know, hard, heavy rock. Mm-hmm. And it just switched to like this very uh, highly produced, probably can never do live without some help. You talk about Octane well, now, right? Pretty much. What's that? You talking about? You talking about on Sirius XM Octane? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. On Sirius sure. XM Octane. Yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's just they've literally created a brand. Mm-hmm. And, oh yeah. And so, but I look at it, that family tree lineage, and I I feel it's more in line with the new metal side, which is the polar opposite mm-hmm. of the heavy rock scene that has been kept down in the United States, like low, like it's like mm-hmm. holy shit. How can we scratch and go? What there hasn't been a good rock and roll band mm-hmm. in the last 10 years until Greta Van Fleet? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, come on. Come on, come on. Much and then, more than that. you know, yeah. I, I, I followed rival songs from the very beginning. Okay. And I, I, literally, they're the best rock band for 12 some years, and they couldn't even barely sniff the radio. But yet, there are songs that are from the first couple albums. I mean, Pressure and Time, which is now on a commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, those songs are as good or better than anything they made the last couple albums under a big label. Mm-hmm. And it just further goes to prove it's no longer that the labels, we trust them. And they're the, they're these, the great arbiters of, they look through all the stuff for us so that mm-hmm. we don't have to burden ourselves and they'll hand, they'll just service the, service the tunes. Here you are. We're the fucking man. You know, mm-hmm. which is coming down to now three big labels. They've literally condensed down to three big labels. A lot of the big labels, you know, like Atlantic are not. 
No. They're now underneath another label. Absolutely. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I forgot why I'm on this fucking tangent. But anyways, <laughs> heavy rock, you know, with the, the roots of Sabbath, the Led Zeppelin, the Hendrix, the Thin Lizzy, you know, to Blue Oyster Cult, to Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, you know, Queen Stone Age, Caius. Mm-hmm. Shit, Robin Trower. I mean, guitar bass rock that comes from the blues bass side of the rock family tree. And that blues bass side, you know, literally is the foundation of everything. Everything. Oh, yeah. Can't get more American than uh, blues bass rock as well, is that because we're African American uh, blues. So it's Mm. evolved. We've, we've, you know, as a country, it's been a big part of this, obviously, from the roots to later. Uh, and in England, it, it made it their own. And that's where we look at Zeppelin and Sabbath to go, holy shit, mm-hmm. the electrification and the, the modification and this growth. And everything has been different ever since. Yeah. No, it, it really has been. That's one of the things that we've been, you know, we're going to talk about a little bit about why we're doing this show to to begin with, you know, what the mission is and our goal with doing it, that is. And obviously, as you just kind of, you know, just referred to me, the fact that, you know, especially here in the United States, I mean, Heavy Rock's been sort of, disc- you know, cast aside for years. I mean, I mean, the good thing is, like you said, there's been such a huge heavy and hard rock scene that's been around for a while but like you said, no one's given not many people. I mean, you know how it is, man. Like you said, radio rock, you're it's not going to hear anything, right? Gatekeepers, you know? Matt. It, it, it's not people don't know this fucking music exists. I mean, I know. literally, like, like listen, folks, yeah. my name is John. I'm a music, I'm a rockaholic. <laughs> and I get an Uber to go to the shows, which I go to two to three shows a week minimum, live minimum, shows. Man. Sometimes by myself, mm-hmm. you don't give a fuck. It's me and the band sometimes, just, you know. Uh-huh. And I get the Uber driver at 85% of the time, and I convince them, let me put some music on there. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what they look like. I don't care what race. They could be black. They could be an old white woman. It could be a fucking nun. No, I'm joking. I, um, I had a Hello Kitty car, but yeah, you told me girl. about that. Like, yeah. I didn't know I was gonna get picked yeah. up in a, in a Hello Kitty car, first off. Mm-hmm. But I took it as a challenge. I took it easy on her. It's not like I played Sasquatch, you know. Sure. You know, playing some fucking crazy song. I think I, I probably even played Dirty Streets, but she seemed a little freaked out. But most of them, they really handled it well. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I've had a lot of Cuban guys. Yeah, we have a massive Cuban population here. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these guys, mainly guys, they, they speak pretty good English already. And so okay. we'll talk about the music. And, and I know a little Spanglish along the way. Okay. And I'll set it up, you know, a certain song. And I play Pressure and Time by Rival Sons. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the most of anything because it has a certain groove and a certain soulfulness and a certain move to it that other people that really don't even know anything about rock and roll. I mean, nothing. Meaning they'll say... Hey, what, what kind of music you listen to? Everyone every says everything. Oh, I listen to a little everything. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I go, oh, God, okay. Here we yeah, go. Okay. Yeah, here we and go. And then, you know, and then <laughs> go into it. And I go, well, you know, you heard rock and roll? I, I literally say that sometimes. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay. 
I'm gonna play you some rock and roll that you've uh, you've never heard in your life. Yeah, not the Imagine Dragons. That's not rock and roll. Shit on the radio, yeah, exactly. And uh, I do it, and I, people like literally will start rocking with mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. I, and other times, they're like they'll sit there and I'll go, "Hey, what do you think?" Like, yeah, and they'll take pictures of the songs on their phone, or if I'd hijack their phone, they'll save it <laughs> if their phone's connected to the you know, ox cord or something. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm crazy like that. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and like you said, well, I think, look, like you say, I mean, most people like you, you were basically doing in those Uber rides is they like to be fed music, right? They're not like, uh, you know, a lot of people aren't sitting there like we are going through, you know, different bands left and right, trying to find that yeah. new band or that new song, that new riff that really just grab, you know, grabs you. They need a force fed. But another big thing is that you know rock in general i mean especially american society it's it just hasn't been part of our culture now in quite some time really since i think the 90s late right. 90s where you know maybe even before that but it used to be i mean it was everywhere right it was on mtv it was on the radio people i mean it, it, it was part of our culture hasn't 90s, been for a long time now you know not you're much. right you're you're yeah. you've hit the nail uh right on the head the 90s were really the last great generation of rock and of course this is coming from a gen x dude that you know mm -hmm. got to live in probably the most prime spot of gen x you're going to mm -hmm. high school from 83 to 87 and literally watching metal awesome. go from yeah. obscure to quickly million, you know yeah. top of the charts with death mm -hmm. leopard and quiet riot to you know bands like judas priest iron maiden dio Van, uh, well, Van Halen briefly for a little long, and mm. they, they were just at this peak game. Rat, they mm. Bon Jovi opened for Rat for God's sake. I saw, yeah, that. Mm. And, and then they blew up, you know. And it was sure. just, you know, it, but it got run by the big labels again. It, it's the mm. same story. They now once they want to, they want to grow the audience. They want to expand the audience, and what that means, metalheads and rockers is we got to make a pussy song. <laughs> That's what it is. The ballad, right? Make a song yep. that's really melodic, mm -hmm. and it's trying to get more women listeners to pay attention. Yeah, and, and they did videos. These dudes had more makeup than half the listeners. Yeah, the girls. Yeah, I mean, even just it, 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 big turnoff for a guy who graduated in '87 high school, um, and then go to college. And I, I knew there was a rite of passage when you get to college, particularly back then. There was this college rock scene that grew into alt rock, mm -hmm. which was blew up sure. I mean, tv took it did 120 minutes well, like R you know, rem and bands like yeah. 120 minutes on Sunday. Mm -hmm. all guys are cool i mean it was just amazing and it became cliche uh all that hair metal shit you know and for guys like me i didn't want to hear uh slaughter and warrant and trickster no mm -hmm. no 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 mm -hmm. people are like oh fucking Grunge killed it. I'm like, <laughs> you're fucking sick. It killed itself, right? Because, it, like you said, it was yes. it was watered down. No one cared about it anymore. It had its place in the '80s, you know, in a certain part of it, you know, up until about '88 or so. And then grunge came over, and then you know, heavy rock really, really kicked its its ass for you know for a while. But like we've said, there was right? metal coming out still. Oh I mean, yeah, Metallica was blowing well, up. Pantera, Pantera came yeah. about. Absolutely. I mean, but metal got. A bit heavier. Well, slow. It got slowed down. It went yeah. mid-tempo. You know, it went mid-tempo.
and heavier. Uh, it went extra heavy and was open to more people. You know, and then, you know, Megadeth and Slayer, obviously, and Anthrax killed it for years and years. Yeah. But grunge gave you a rock edge, and it was closer to the legacy sound of the 70s. Yeah. It was bare bones. Here's rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, this, the chorus, some good. And they were like, fuck no. No more guitar solos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, well, I do, and yeah. that was gluttonous and getting old. I, my sure. buddy Matt, Mike Varney would kill me. If, probably <laughs> i know right <laughs> you know he, he uh-huh. was like the shredder metal shredder. oh he was first metal but, label independent label ever you know yeah it's yeah, yeah yeah and uh but i just it just lost its i mean i still listen to metallica i listened to dio even oh yeah and maybe after when i got into college there were some bands i didn't leave i mean i judas priest they did the turbo thing i was like what the living fuck is going on and mm. i was one of you know, half a million Judas Priest fans going, no, keyboards, <laughs> what is this? And But they gained two million in fans the other way. They did, so, you know. You know, mm-hmm. and then chicks knew where they were. And, you know, it was it was, it was was played at strip clubs for the rest of the, the entity of that song, probably. Sure. Well, you know, back then, too, a lot, of, yeah, a lot of that stuff was formulaic, too. You know, a lot of those, uh, yeah. you had Atlantic, like you mentioned, you had Rat and Winger. They were all produced by the same guy, Bo Hill. I mean, it was a very formulaic thing where they just, and they just, you know, because look, it, it, one of those things, if it's not broken, don't fix it. And there was a model that they use. And that, that's the thing that's really been, that, that's killed rock, too, is, you know, really since the, the you know, the internet took over when Napster came out. I mean, the the, the business model in, in the, the major label industry has been broken for, for almost 30 years. And they don't. that's why you're seeing a lack of, of bands, right? Everything now is just solo artists, whether it's rap or, you know, EDM or the band itself. They don't care. Those about are easy to control. Dude. Control, exactly. Uh, that was what I was going to say. People have exactly. a lot of money that are, in, yeah. you know, to help grow these things and everything yeah, else. The control. It's easier to work with a solo individual. Exactly. Artist exactly than four or five guys that play different instruments and party or whatever. Yep, yeah. So yeah, Matt. So obviously you know a lot about about the scene. Mm. I wouldn't be doing a show with you. <laughs> <laughs> and tell me where where were you when you first got involved uh, with the scene to a certain level? Well, you know the the real thing like you were just saying before, right? For a lot of people don't know that there's these bands in the scene out there. This was probably about the late 2000s, around 2000 and maybe eight or so. I remember seeing, I just used to go into the record store and I I was a documentary buff and I just would buy any rock or metal documentaries and I happened to pick up the documentary Such Hawks, Such Hounds, right? The infamous documentary that focused on the American hard rock scene. And some of those bands I was obviously privy to, Atomic Bitchwax and so forth from the 90s and Orange Goblin. But I was not some of them like this band here, Earthless, and um, I'm trying to think of some others, you know, uh, Dead Meadow or you was know those a, bands. Rhino was in that. Movie, yes, he I was. Believe. Yep, yes, he was. It yeah. was a great movie, and He's I discovered this. I heard, yeah, I saw that. He's got one coming out. Yeah, that should be awesome. I can't wait to see that. But yeah, man, that's when I realized, like, whoa, what is what is what is all this stuff. And then I just started looking really deeply into it, man. And then, you know, right around, yeah, you know, the late 2000s, it just was like, whoa, I didn't know how much was out there globally. That was what I think shocked me more than anything is how much of a global scene 
that there is. Not so yeah. much the domestic here in the oh. United States, the global scene there is. And so I realized, wow, there's so much of this shit out there. And then I just got, you know, just face first into all of it, you know. And um, yeah, so since then, where were I you? Just been, like, where were you living? I, what, what I was living in was Los there? Angeles. Well, I was living in Los Angeles. Okay. I was actually running. Too, I was running my. I had a record label I ran called No Joke Records from about 2005 to 2008. Uh, mostly a okay. metal, mostly a metal label. That's some some thrash and hardcore metal stuff. I was really into mm -hmm. metal, but I was getting out of that. I was getting you know the hardcore stuff was just more. Look, I love it as a youth, but you know I was getting older and it was I wasn't reson. It was just wasn't resonating with me anymore. You're a New York City boy. Well, I, yes, born and raised in New York City. I, I've been living out in California hardcore. now for, yeah, of course, I grew up with hardcore yeah. there. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it was it was in LA where I really, and then when I moved up here to the Bay Area, which is where I live now, we're outside of Oakland. Um, obviously, you know, the, the scene here when I moved here was really big. Um, now, having some problems because all the venues are closing, there's still, you know, still some great bands, of course. But the scene hasn't been, you know, grown as much because a lot of venues are, are starting to kind of close down left and right here because it's just crazy here. As you know, yeah. we, you I know, I mean, you could talk also a little bit. You know, you do another show called The Guest List that you where you focus on basically just promoting new music in general, all new music, you know, and that's what yeah. we we're our, our heavy focus here is obviously new music. You know, that's got, a, a major you know, focus. Yeah, here. I uh, well, I. Started that show just by the the simple standpoint is is that I want to help music and get get out there. Uh, Doom mm -hmm. Stone has not been doing as many shows, um, and I, I felt that wow, there's just so much good music going on. I'd heard about the Anchor platform, which is only on Spotify, and I know that's a problem, and I'll, I'll figure out the other stuff. But it's just like one hour a week, mm -hmm. boom, and it's yeah. not a whole lot of me talking. I probably talk more on. This last episode than the previous ones, but it's just getting music out there. But mm -hmm. you know, not really uh, going into the in-depth stuff, as I'm not going to sit mm -hmm. there and talk with myself for that long. Sure, I know what you mean. So yeah. with you and me, mm -hmm. we get to really go in depth on a lot of what's happening nowadays, uh, what tours are coming up, um, mm -hmm. festivals that are that are big. I mean rock and roll and heavy underground festivals and all that uh, america is we've always had a good amount of them but some pretty damn good ones now all in the same year oh yeah um, without yeah. psycho even which is crazy yeah psycho disappears on us mm -hmm. as really being the the, the 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 bar set i mean yeah they quickly took things and you know they they, they maybe got too big for their, their own britches could be. be part of the problem. They had to expand the audience. You know, right? well, I'll, I'll just give you a great example. I, I I did an interview for Aftershocks with Brian Slagle. You know, obviously the CEO of Metal mm -hmm. Blade, and he was saying, you know, going in the nineties when there was that trying period, we had when metal was just not a big thing. Obviously, he had to obviously adjust pretty, you know, a lot. You know what I mean to keep the label going. Like he had said, he could have sold his label. He had offers. I mean, they signed the Goo Goo Dolls back then. You know, remember that Metal Blade had actually oh. the Goo Goo Dolls originally. Yeah, and yeah. And, and, so forth. and every single time these majors bought up, bought off, you know, a, a independent. Yeah. that thing was dead and gone within a few years. So he he just refused to do because he wanted to keep a, it a boutique brand. You know, boutique yeah. branch. It, it's crazy. I, I look at, I watch. You know, hey, I don't pretend to know the music business. So mm. when it comes to some of this stuff. 
Okay. And all I can use is my common sense and my business background mm-hmm. um, to, to, to kind of sniff out some of this stuff along the way and do my research. You got to do fucking research oh, yeah. to kind of really look at what these labels are doing. And you know, obviously, we're not privy to you know ad budgets and things like that. I mean, how much money are they putting behind a band? Mm-hmm. Um, if you look, there was a great, you mentioned documentaries. Uh, uh, what was it called? Uh, Underground Rock Incorporated, or something oh, is like that the that? one I was telling you about? Um, Underground, uh, yeah, Underground it. Inc. Yes, Sean Katz from Australia. Yes, yes. So I watched it. All right. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you know, as a guy who '90s were for me musically, it was super kick-ass. I mean, there was sure. rock and roll stuff. I mean, even the fucking Gin Blossoms and what was the band you just said? Uh, Google Dolls. Google Dolls. Yeah. Even they had good rock songs. I mean, they wrote songs that like stuck in your head. You know, yes, Matthew they did. Sweet, Toad mm-hmm. Wet Sprocket, and the Toadies, yep. and, and then mm-hmm. obviously bands like Helmet and Tool, and so on. So yep. it, it's the, the '90s are such like kindred spirits in a weird way for me with the '70s, and okay. it's not necessarily the sound; it's just the legacy of what they're still trying to accomplish.
and maybe not accenting as much on musicianship always, but still carrying that thread of energy and rebelliousness and edge to it. And lyrics that, you know, was easy to remember. I mean, hell, you know, it's part of what, you know, sometimes you, you hear a song and it reminds you of things. Oh, you know? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I hear the song Thank You by Led Zeppelin. It brings a tear to my tears mm -hmm. my eyes half the time. It, it, it's insane. The first time I ever heard it, I was on mushrooms, so I'm not sure if that helped. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, you should remember if you're on mushrooms. Yeah. You know, nothing ever goes away when you're that? on mushrooms. You know. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I listen yeah. to it too much. Was that but Matt? Yeah. When you were um, when you were a junior and senior in high school. Okay. What were your three of your three of your favorite bands? Well, that was really probably because you know I, I'm I'm 47, so I graduated high school in '93. So you know I'm about yeah about seven years, six seven years uh, younger than you are, and mm -hmm. so that was right at the height of um, the grunge. You know, I mean obviously '93, right. right? So obviously you the know grunge, grunge was kicking in in '91. '91, yeah. Down were already yes, problem deep or going into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now I'll give you an example. So for instance, and I'm and I've I've just you know uh, this is one album I I've been you know I think I, I did play them for you know, I I think I recommended it to you and you hit a song, but there was this band for instance called because I was so deep into the alternative metal stuff big time, and there was this band I loved out of they were actually out of Lawrence Kansas called Stick they had they had two records but only one was they were on Arista they got signed by a major. Um, and because they were the majors were trying to find the new Seattle at that point, you know, they just thought they struck gold with Seattle. Obviously, they know things are going to peak. Everyone was moving to Seattle. You know how it is. Once things go mainstream, it kind of gets destroyed. It doesn't last too long after that. So they were looking for different places around the country. And then majors went to this place in Lawrence, Kansas, College Town, University of Kansas is out of there. They you got know the, the man Paul. Paul, I was just going to say there was Paul out of He's there. Yeah. Kansas yeah. as well. Yeah. So them and stick were like, yeah. they were the two bands. Yeah. That got signed. And, you know, so yeah, I, I was in the stick. That was one of my favorite records. Um, uh, geez. I mean, you know, I, I was, I was a lot, I was, like I said, I was into metal really at that time too, you know, growing up in New York, like I said, I was listening to some of the hardcore stuff band like biohazard. I really liked, you know, they were, they were a big band back then, you know? Um, and of course I listen, I mean, you know, grew up in New York city around a lot of the, the rap and urban stuff. I, I don't listen yeah. really to that stuff anymore. But of course, as a kid, I listened to some of that stuff. But mostly, I was into like Alice in Chains. You know, uh -huh. I was in the Pantera. You know, um, I was in the Prong. Prong was another one. I was in the uh -huh. White Zombie. Helmet, huge yeah. Helmet fan. Yeah, um, Helmet, Quicksand, yeah. Quicksand, both, uh, another one. York City. Mm -hmm. yep. Good. Yeah, Very I fans. loved both of bands. Yeah. Oh yeah. Still do. Yeah. No. Like the new Quicksand. Is really good. Oh, it's really I good. I saw them live oh, yeah. um, over at the, well, it's now the, it was Hard Rock, but now it's Virgin. And it was in their smaller venue and uh, caught them. And it was a great, like, you know, 10 song set. And I, I had already pre-gamed a lot with the newer album. And it, it's really good. They have a song called Missile Command. Oh, wow. Wow. Missile Command. Think about that. Flashback. Wow. For That's a flashback. Many of us. That oh, weird yeah. video game. Atari. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it was in the arcade. Oh, oh, the one in the arcade, you say. Okay. You. So when I was a little kid, Ms. Command was kind of an early, one of the early on video games. Yeah. And it was kind of cool because you would go to, you would have places to shoot from the middle, right and left. And you had a, mm. all the shits flying down. They're trying to bomb your fucking city or whatever. Nothing's mm. changed, by the way. <laughs> <Ms. Command. laughs> I know, right? This minute. 
<laughs> yeah, Jesus. no, yeah, no, absolutely, man. Yeah, that's really cool that you uh you see you went to high school in New York. So I was at the high school in New York, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know what was cool too, uh, music scene wise. I mean, was in New York was I don't even remember hearing about that CMJ music festival that they used to have back then at all. So they basically just every venue you know in New York for it usually it was like a week or two almost every night they'd have these showcases from whether the labels or management companies or what have you um and they would put on showcases with these bands and CMJ was just a big huge festival if you got your CMJ pass you could basically go to any show you wanted all you know whatever yeah, it was basically all week you know it was like a 100 bucks and you can go to whatever show you wanted to for the whole week so yeah, South by Southwest. It was kind of like that. It was like yeah. the old South by Southwest, exactly. Very similar. And um, so, yeah, I mean, there was, like I said, 90s were, were definitely a, a great time. And like we were saying, you know, there's a lot of these bands now from the 90s reforming. I know there's a band that you've been pushing a lot on your shows, which is Sugar Tooth. I mean, that was a band I never thought I'd hear again. Obviously, I featured <laughs> Joey Castillo from Queens of the Stone Age fame, and Man, dude, that I you know that new song, I I'm I'm really liking it. I I'm just you know I'm 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 glad to see these bands back. Like you said, the Toadies are back out there, bands like that. Um, you know, but just I mean, it's, it, yeah, Sugar Tooth was on that documentary we were just talking about. Yes, they were exactly, and mm -hmm. on there they were quite prevalent as part of the storyline and the kind of yeah. telling what happens. And mm -hmm. when they got bigger and they went and did the second album and they got all crazy and decided the Dust Brothers should. Uh, <laughs> like I know. A couple... or something. Um, and Castillo had, had taken off the Queen Stone mm -hmm. Age, I think by then. Yep. Probably to take probably take over duties from Alfredo Hernandez. And uh, they did that second album. They did some touring. They got some promo and then everything got pulled. Everything. And yeah. that's the brutality of, of a heavy, a larger label, how quickly they will discard it because there is only a certain amount of dollars. But back then, I mean, literally, I mean, there is always going to be that budget. There's only a certain amount of dollars sure. you can spend, you know, as a guy who used to manage departments that would like create a hundred million dollars a year and mm -hmm. all this other 50 million and, you, there's budgets, there's amounts you can spend, and you know, you got to make decisions. And it's a brutal story when you hear of stuff getting shelved, which oh, is yeah. the worst thing. Mm -hmm. Like, literally, you created the album and they just put it on shelf, never yeah. completely put out. Never do much with Unido it. Exactly. kind of has that situation. Yeah. And, oh, that's a good point. Know, mm -hmm. dude, they just basically got pulled. Yep. And, and that was it. The album that was not taking off to what they thought it should. And so you never know the full what that second album could have done if it had continued to got the support from the label. And yeah. what I mean by that is the label works with these large management companies, mm -hmm. right? That are managing, you know, certain artists or bands and so on. And then of course you have the 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 business of the between the label and then the radio station producers. Mm -hmm. um, nowadays there's one or two of the main companies they're like literally down to like four programmers like either in regions oh, each yeah. country in each, mm -hmm. in each part of the country and yeah. they come up with the shit so basically the djs don't even get much free reign nope. and so it's just the same stuff 
And if you look at oh, yeah. it, the pattern, you know, the majority of it comes from the same basic labels. Um, of course, yeah. Or so board it paid for, from you know, bands that are highly represented in different management companies. And well, yes, is is we know people. We'll take the risk of working with you. We're going to take yep. a big cut of it, yep. and we'll get you connected with the right people to give you the best chance to be successful. Absolutely. You know, no, and, and you're right. I mean, management companies, law, you know, attorneys, these are the ones running the industry now. You know, I mean, yeah. like they always said, there's 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 three, four people that control the whole music industry. Well, you know, there's not there's, many people. If if you know there's a number of uh you know board of chairmen. Yeah, well, and they're the ones uh, that that but you know, in the end, it's seriously comes down to three big massive labels like conglomerates atlantic yeah. records is not an independent label anymore they're like under yeah. sony or something yeah so, exactly yeah. And, and it just goes on and on all these ones we remember and in, in when you have more options mm -hmm. uh it usually is a better situation yeah uh more more uh, competitiveness higher quality product so when you have these like almost monopoly kind of situations where money rules all yeah. and it, it, it's fucked us up in so many ways possible. And in rock and roll, I mean, everything is all in on hip hop and rock period. In a oh sense. yeah, absolutely. Just turn yeah. on the fucking TV and look yeah. and listen and listen to the radio and mm -hmm. go look at every single possible and country has shifted in and moved a little bit more rocky. Yep. They hijacked a little part of rock. I agree. You know, and so they're able to to grab a certain part of the the demographic that just is not going to buy into the the whole hip hop and rap thing. I, I'm one of them. I, I'm not in any of that. I'm now, not either. I'm yeah. Gen X, and I yeah. knew and listened to rap some in high school and college with Beats Boys, sure, on sure DMC. Yep. You know, it, it, you know, a few others. Like, I mean, Public Enemy and NWA were when I was in college. You know. Sure. But mm -hmm. it, you know, it's not for everyone. And rock and roll may not be for everyone, but not everyone knows that there's this rock and roll. True. Well, that, well, well that's, yeah. the, that's the conundrum. Well, even the thing with that, if you look at, at, at and I don't like to call it hip hop, I always call it rap. You know, it was rap music, it wasn't hip hop. And if you look at what they were, because my thing about why I, why I liked rap, you know, at that time period, whether it was late 80s or early 90s, mm -hmm. it was if you listen to it, for one, they were bands, right? There was multiple rappers in it. So it was a band. And secondly, was the the music the background you know the music that was in it Th these guys were taking their their parents whether it was rock records blues records soul jazz funk and that's how they were they, that's where the song the music was coming from in the songs early now, on yeah well now this there hasn't been I, I, to me since the mid to late 90s it's just been all beats well you know, get this it's, man it's not samples from old records like they yeah get, get this well yeah because What's his face? Rick Rubin. I saw him in an interview not that long ago where he's basically taking credit for telling rap groups to not bother with people playing instruments and okay. going to that more of the sample side of things. Mm -hmm. um, and so he kind of helped transition things. I mean, he was a New York City guy going to yeah. NYU and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Rick Rubin's done a lot of cool things. He's very, very odd. Honestly, I've watched with a bunch of stuff. I've watched with Joe Rogan. Uh, yes, I check out Joe Rogan's song. I admit it. I don't give a fuck, you know? Mm -hmm, and yeah. a few things struck me a little shady and weird, you know? But Rubin is, has done so well doing 
what he's doing. Rick mm-hmm. Rubin being him, <laughs> like the music whisperer, you know, mm-hmm. and that, but it's fascinating when he talks about the whole thing where, you know, he was talking to, it was whatever first or second bands that doing rappers that he'd signed. And he was like, hey, you don't need, you know, like real music. Mm-hmm. There's the, these other things we can do. Yeah. <laughs> and just really was able to get it in front of the right audiences and sure. the rest is history, you know? Yeah. No, it, it was. And that was like you said. And, and just bringing up what you said before, real quick, about the 90s now, you were talking about, you know, records being shelved. You know, like like a great example. I, if we're talking heavy rock, you know, one of my favorite bands from the '90s in heavy rock, um, Stoner Rock, was was Carmen to Burn. Loved that band. That first record oh, they yeah. put out. You know, I, I I was interning actually at Roadrunner Records right after right when after that record came out. And I remember I was I was so into that record. And I when I went there, I mean, that was the first thing I asked people. You know, some of the people working. It was like, so what's going on with them? And I'm like, oh, we dropped them. And I'm like, what? Like that was just a phenomenal record. And they're like, well, you know, they won't get a, you know, a, a great example too. When they I was wouldn't get a singer. There. They wouldn't get a singer, but it wasn't even just that. It was, it was, you know, the band had drug problems. You know, it was a bunch of stuff. You know what I mean? But oh, the, and then basically what it was is they hired a singer. I think he played probably like four shows with them, and you know, it was just a friend. And then they dropped him, and they just said, "Screw this, we're just going to play on our own." And of course, Roadrunner was like, "This wasn't part of the deal." You guys, yeah, they don't want an instrumental band. No, but now, now the thing is, there's another band. There's this band called Both Worlds. You know that was on there too. I don't know if you remember who they were. They were an alternative, like you know, metal band, rock band. They were guys that were from hardcore bands. So the singer was the singer, old singer from the Crow Mags, and it was a bunch of these guys. And it was a, it was a good album. And I talked to the guy, John Joseph was his name, a guy who's been on Joe Rogan. So there you go, that tie in. And he was basically <laughs> saying that. The reason why it got shelved because I was there and they were pumping the shit out of that record. They were they were trying to get it on radio left and right, and then I guess it just wasn't you know they there was so much they wasn't doing well like too well I guess on radio so they just told the band look the tour you're about to go on we're gonna pull you from it we're not giving you any support you can still go on but you got to pay your own way you got to live in you know oh. you got to sleep in people's houses there's no hotel rooms or something oh, no. so they were like look we're, we're we're not doing that screw you guys and so they just dropped them because they refused what to, a to, to do that it. Is. Yeah, it just you know what it was. There was so much money in the '90s too in the in, in the in the industry that they were throwing around because they were charging twenty dollars a CD, and everyone was buying a CD for twenty bucks with one or two good songs on it, and they were just doing. I remember doing that. I would take chances on albums because we there was no internet. We couldn't hear it. You know? Ooh, oh yeah, that's what inflation it was. in taxes up there in New York. Oh, yeah, well, well, yeah, well, well, that's true. Yeah, I didn't have to pay that. <laughs> All right, well you're lucky. Yeah, you're lucky. I was paying twenty. Yeah, I bought a bunch of CDs when I lived in North Carolina. Okay. Oh, that's a little cheap. South Carolina, yeah. 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 But it was still it was yeah. still like 14 50 bucks, which was surprising because we were buying albums for like $8.99 or something, you know. Wow. And tapes mm-hmm. were about the same. Tapes so are still going there. Cassettes, were yeah. pump up cost-wise. Yeah. But man, that's yeah, a big bummer hearing about that kind of shit. All that work that yeah, band does. Well, well, and like you said, that that you know, if anyone out there, check out Underground Inc. Like you said, it's a great documentary. As you see, they just signed up so many bands uh, that they didn't hit within, like, you know, the first record. You know, they, there was oh, yeah. no more honest development. You know, that's what's going on now, too. Without labels, when, it, when you don't sign people to three-album deals and they don't have time to develop, there's, oh, no, yeah. there's no artist development anymore now, right? Now, you've no, got to have, right. your, own, you gotta have your own fan base. You know, you already have to have it. 
if you want to get signed and, and have people like, you know, and people that, you know, get behind you, you know, in, in, on those labels. Oh, so yeah. we're, we're just in a different world right now. But you know what? And like we're trying to talk about here, it's there's so much good music. There is a rebirth of this, you know, heavy rock scene. And look, a lot of it could be is run by a lot of older guys like ourselves. It is, you know, whether you're doing your shows or guys putting out labels still doing it. Like, like I said, I was talking to Brian Segel about that. He's like, look, people are still around. You know, these old guys who've been running are still doing it. And so everybody yeah. hasn't given a lot to these younger, you know, these younger guys. It doesn't really give them maybe a chance to kind of sneak in there with their little label to do what a lot of those older labels used to do. Right. But the bottom line is there is so much. We've got all these great labels. I mean, you you obviously, I mean, you could talk about you doing your curating for one of the best labels out there. As we know, Ripple Music, you're based out here in the Bay Area. You've been, you know, curating uh, records for them and, and helping them. You know, with their A and R, because obviously we said there's not much, there's no A and R departments at labels anymore. You know, so um, you know, talk a little. Yeah, why don't you just talk a little bit about you know what you do for Ripple, and you know well, what I mean, you're seeing you know, in terms of you know go into it. Todd's been super cool and and is collaborative with me on a number of things, and I brought him um, you know a, three different bands, and then I put together three splits uh, for his. Split series. And mm -hmm. so, you know, started off with two from Spain, uh, one of which played at Planet Desert Rock 2, where I brought them over from, uh, they came over from uh, Barcelona. And so it was Saturna and Electric Monolith. And then the next one was two Australian bands with Planet of the Eights and Dune Eater. Um, just, it just, I knew that these were just two really good bands. And mm -hmm. I didn't even know they really knew each other that well, which they did. And I just knew they, they had good songs. They had albums I would go back to, mm. you know, that I was mm -hmm. like, there's good music. What the fuck's going on? Mm. And so that all worked out. And then the last one was a Scandinavian one. It was Kaiser who played oh, Planet Desert Rock. Great band. And Captain Caravan who played Planet Desert Rock. Yeah. Uh, nice. Kaiser from Finland and uh, Captain Caravan from Norway. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I really think Captain Caravan like stepped up in like a whole different heavy rock direction a little more straightforward a little less to me mm. and um kaiser just brings it i mean o2 oh, yeah. is just an amazingly oh, yeah. crazy wacky oh, inventive musician yeah he's great yeah he mm. just put out if metallica did eye of the tiger go check that on youtube it's brand new really metallica okay. doing eye of the tiger very cool yeah. okay. he doesn't even bother he's trying to play the bass and then he just gives up <laughs> Nice. <laughs> um, mm. And yeah, yeah, then Tidal Wave, which uh, I, I helped put out, um, brought to the label. They just landed number one uh, in January for Doom Charts. Doom Charts, yeah. So by a large margin, from what I understand. Last year, I put out Germ, uh, Jeremy Iron and the Rat Gang Malibus uh, from Sweden. They were formerly on Smallstone. And uh, they put together, you know, one of the darkest, really COVID era vibe albums like it really is emotional and epic and all that sound mm -hmm. and germ has always had that to some degree mm -hmm. and that's j-i-r-m yeah and then coming up here soon it'll be wolf knot coming over um from norway as well Another yeah, i just bit. love their last album i introduced them to todd uh, todd said this is good and i said cool set mm -hmm. up an email and they've been buddies ever since that's awesome so yeah. i'm excited you know and yeah I've uh, I've shifted and I help out in the background. We'll say on quite a few things. I've worked with bands on promotions, running ads, 
Mm -hmm. uh, things like that. Uh, tour support, help them out with doing ads for shows. So at least people know a little bit before they come in town because mm -hmm. not many people know them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you got to make an effort. You know what I mean? You can't just mm -hmm. expect people to show up at a show. Because I've ran shows and it doesn't, doesn't happen that way. Absolutely. Doesn't matter what city. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. You know, and, and one of the things I think one of the goals that we've talked about for the show is really just to bring together this heavy rock community that's across the globe. Like you, we were just saying, the Doom Charts, right? We're both contributors to Doom Charts. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that's a, such an important and a great, I mean, I mean, obviously, you, you guys on the Doom and Stone show, obviously, that focus super, super heavily on the Doom Charts. And it's just such a great, you know, I, for people who don't know the Doom Charts, I mean, go check it out, you know, because that's where you're going to find your heavy rock, underground heavy rock bands. We want to find some new up-and-coming band globally like we said you just mentioned list off all these bands coming from scandinavia you know, norway sweden i mean it's just it's just bleeding australia. to australia yeah. i mean yeah we could go i mean it's, it's I mean, a heavy rock it's, greece it's a world thing it is and, and matt i had to get over something in my head when i switched out of fm radio i i was so fed up i was like like i went kind of not away from rock for a while. I just mm -hmm. wasn't championing it as much in the 2000s yeah. uh, because I had like a crazy job and uh, living in Orlando, like crazy, like lots of responsibilities, lots of money. Um, and I was doing a lot of party drugs. <laughs> and, and the party <laughs> drug scene was in the, was in the nightclubs and in the lounges. Mm -hmm. And I lived in Orlando, Florida, where it was absolutely beautiful women. Is part of this whole scene, and I'm sorry, but um, <laughs> I, I listen to mindless, you know, house music. But in certain backgrounds and scenarios, it was pretty badass. And, and of course, it's always better when you're on ecstasy, and, and you know, in a, in a beautiful <laughs> girl in a small black dress. You know, it's just mm -hmm. it's in, it's insane that, but that era just was not. You know, it, it's been rough since it was then, a rough era. Mm -hmm. Music out there in America, you know was not producing as much as we had always hoped. Mm -hmm. um, and when I started exploring and I found like these other things, next you know, I'm like, why do I give a shit if they're from America? Why do I not think, why am I just, why am I looking down upon anything made anywhere else? Like True. literally, because mm -hmm. I'm like, I already like Iron Maiden and Judas Priest. Why can't there be other good bands? Because mm -hmm. the majority of our radio music does seem to be from the United States or it has been over the years, and I think that's in itself confining when you have these bands that should probably be played on the radio everywhere in the world. Oh, yeah. So, you know, yeah. I mean, a band like Greenleaf, why, why are, oh. I mean, they may not sound like a radio band, but probably a lot of people like them if you played them. Sasquatch, oh, oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure millions of people would like them if sure. someone did something, you know? Well, you know what it is? I think the problem is, like, I'll just, you know, I, mean, I know people like that. I, mean, I could put on... Yeah, they love say Queens of the Stone Age and you know specific bands that were oh, radio yeah. friendly, but yeah, you put on you know listen, I, I know people they love Queens of the Stone Age. You know, you, you play some Kai's for them. Oh no, yeah, I don't like this stuff. I mean, you I was, know, people come in at different entry points, Matt. Well, that is true. And that's the weird part, right? That's a good point. Yep. Mm -hmm. What was your entry point, Kai's or Queens? Uh, it was Caius, you know, I, I'll be honest okay. with you, even Queens, you know, Queens, I didn't really, it, it didn't grab me at first. It took me a little while to get into, into Queens, to be honest with you. It didn't really, I, I thought it was yeah. a little too poppy at first, a little too repetitive. I did see them live, which helped, you know, I thought they were fantastic. Yeah. And, um, you know, obviously now I'm a big fan, but yeah, it did. 
they were they were it took me a second or two to get into you know i would say probably the same with kaius because when kaius came out in the early 90s you know i was really i mean even though i was into heavy rock and stuff i you know they were they were just so different you know with with yeah with you yeah. know J josh's guitar coming through a bass amp you know and john garcia's right. voice and just a desert thing it was so unique and different that same thing i was i was more into the crunchy metallic riffs and then it took you know it took totally. me a second or two to really you know get get accustomed to that and you're right though that is a good point though a lot of times it's just different entry points things what? you know when you whatever you're into at that point you might not really get into it maybe until later on so that's another uh, a good for what's up matt let's do this this let's take a break and let's play them the new the latest the first sugar tooth release okay what, what do you do like sold my fortune yeah, no, the new release. Oh, the new release. Okay. All right. Hey, well, let's do it. you become the new song from god i just can't, can't believe that those guys are back i never thought i'd see a band like that come back a lot of those late you know 90s mid to late 90 rock bands heavy rock yeah. bands you know 
I mean, it's, you know, it's just great. Like I said, some of these bands that have come back and played, I'm just so shocked that they have because, you know, I mean, I, you know what it is. They, they, they might have had one, like Sugar Tooth had one song really back then. They didn't really want a huge band. They had that Soul My Fortune hey, yeah, song. It was, all, yeah. it was all over Beavis and Butthead and everything. And But here they are with, yep. with a new record. And, you know, it's uh, it's great. And like I said, once again, it's, it's definitely, of course, helped us want to start this show. Um, and the other thing, too, about this show, it's a little different. Obviously, you know, I, I, like I said, that's going to be different from something like what you do, say, with Doom and Stone. Is obviously, we're doing video. We're going to be playing videos, music videos. Um, we're going to obviously be doing interviews with bands, old and new. And the other thing, like we said, bringing the community together. Yeah, we're yeah, gonna it's going to be cool. It's, it's good to have uh, – it, it's good to just try to build this community and just continue – and pay tribute to the people that helped build it before you and me were even involved with it. Absolutely, so, yeah. You know, there's ego and there's this, you know, there's, people are weird nowadays. And so, you know, I'm never here to offend anyone, uh, <laughs> but it's going <laughs> to happen probably. But it's, and some people are, are, you know, a little soft and they get weird when and people are trying, you know. Mm -hmm. And we'll try not to over promote it, but we got to get it out there at the same time. And gosh, folks, stay tuned because we're going to have some cool stuff. We're going to have a lot of cool stuff. We're really excited about this, man. I'm super excited. And I know, um, you know, obviously this is just a little intro episode here. We're just kind of giving everyone an idea of what we're going to be doing. You heard us talking about some music industry talk, too. We're going to do that. Uh, obviously, this is a little bit of a free form thing we did right now just to shoot the shit and kind of get this thing kicked off. Um but yeah, man, I'm excited. You know, I hope everyone else out, out there is heavy gal the Heavy Galaxy show. It's on the CMS Podcast Network, CMSPN.com or CMS Network at CMSnetwork.com. Um, and of course, you know, John, I mean, once you go and fill everyone in on what you got going on too with or anything. Um, I know the I've Vegas said- Rock Revolution. Um, yeah, there's a 420 show, I'm pretty sure is gonna happen here in Vegas. It's the Thursday night. Okay. Really trying to align with uh, a cannabis dispensary. I mean, it kind of just makes sense. So the uh-huh. first one I tried, which is really close to the venue, hasn't responded yet. So, you know, just trying to get a synergy because the cannabis industry has kind of been hijacked, particularly over here by hip hop and rap again. I'm like, no, what happened? Do people <laughs> understand rock and roll and smoking pot have gone hand in hand for a very long time? Mm-hmm. Longer than there's even been rap, for God's sake. So what the fuck? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so hopefully we can get one of them involved. I uh, already got a beer that'll be involved as well. Okay. Um, and uh, hopefully I'll be able to make the announcement soon. It'll be kind of a metal night of sorts. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, 420 metal, you know, mm-hmm. we'll call it. Um, okay. And anyways, but other than that, guys, I'm, I'm going to be truthful. I, I am not doing a lot of shows anymore. Uh, okay. Concerts. Because it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's a, um, it's a money. It's, it's a much of a money pit. Um, the, the bands or the their management that's booking this stuff. It, it, sometimes it, they can just get money, better money, going and playing somewhere else. Gotcha. Okay. Because gotcha. there's only so much to kind of a lot that, that you're willing to risk, and sure. when you know that. When you're trying to draw up on quote unquote just to begin with Stoner Rock fans, there's not, it's been a growth that I've had to try to crowd in for five, six years. And it's not that big. Um, mm. I brought in new people, but you know, a lot of the fans, they don't even go to shows. So th- mm. that's kind of a bummer. 
Like people that like go, oh, I got a psycho and I like this band. And they like the front running top stoner bands in Doom. Mm. You know what I mean? By front running, like like elders yeah. coming in town, they're going to that. Sure. They're going to that. Yeah. But I they may not support true. these other really good bands, but they don't have, you know, 20,000 followers. So <laughs> that kind of, there's even an elitism kind of weird thing. They're just not going to bother with it at times. Mm. And, you know, weekday shows are a bear. Um, definitely. A real a tough yeah. one, but I, I, I'm good on Thursdays for years. I brought in 100 people on a Thursday, like probably two dozen times, I mean, at least a dozen times. So, wow, hopefully, this will be a good one. It's just I'm taking a risk, the venue's taking a risk, everyone's taking a risk, you know. And if we people come out and support, you know, and I put ads behind it, like I spend money, I, I gamble on each show by mm -hmm. actually trying smartly, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, sometimes maybe too much. Yeah. So, anyways. Other than that, man, and then right behind me, Matt. Oh, yeah. Heavy sight Heavy sounds fest. Sounds fest. And Night. Joshua Tree. Uh, mm -hmm. Mario Lolly is the one throwing this party. Mario Lolly is like the godfather of the Desert Rock scene. Oh, yeah. Joshua Tree. You know, he's literally the guy who did the uh, Desert Generator parties for Caius and whoever else. And um, it's two days. It's like the 20. I don't even say twenty fifth, twenty sixth. I think yep. it is. Mm -hmm. uh, but they're also doing a Friday where it's kind of an unofficial or whatever. It's a pre party. That's gonna have freaks, which is Ruben Romano from Fu Manchu. Oh yeah. Um, it, it, it is part of that band. I know Edmund. Edmund Yeah. Was mm -hmm. I don't know if he's still in it or not. So I think he. Is, I you know. I I interviewed Ruben back in August or September, and he was still. Yeah, Ed's, I believe Ed's still in the band. We gotta we gotta yeah. get an update even from that time. Okay, okay. All right. Let's go for that way. Got it. I think we should get it. I like I saw freaks and Ed wasn't there. Put it that way. All right, gotcha. Okay. So yeah. maybe so I don't know what's going on there. Whatever. Um, but that's gonna be a pretty cool night. And there's like the Dalai Lamas are playing. Oh wow. What a name. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. See, man, you should be there. What the fuck? Uh, well, you know, dude. Hey, I, I, I remember. I, I did go to a I Vegas know. Rock Revolution show this year. You did? Oh, how about that? How about it? And it was Spirit not one of the big ones. Spirit Mother, exactly. Yep. See you. So I, you practice what you preach. Yeah, you hung out right, with, like, with Spirit Mother, and who else we have on that crazy show? Uh Spirit Mother, and there was the two other something uh, sisters or something. Oh, Ash right? Sisters. Ash Sisters. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, they're they're fun, man. Yeah. It's no, I was that old school. Kind of heavy psych and garagey at the same time, kind of thing. Yeah, man, that was a fun show, and that's the yeah. thing. Like you said, that was a Thursday night. It was the, you. You got a pretty, you know, I would say it was a pretty good crowd for a Thursday night like show. Seventy. It was maybe sixty something paid and seventy total. Mm -hmm. I thought it'd be better because there were, you know, there were female artists, which a lot mm -hmm. of times will automatically track. And and there were people that went to those shows that I've never seen in my life. Okay, I mean that happens a lot of my shows actually. Mm -hmm. But there were people that were there because of the, you know, the advertising of showing kind of a more, uh, a different kind of thing. Because it was a different kind of rock show. Really mm -hmm. was. Yeah. So I've delved in the psychedelic scene quite a bit because I'm a big fan of it. It's my number two. Like, heavy rock has a big umbrella, yes. if you will. And oh, psych yeah, rock is different trees from the traditional slash, you know, retro to what I call the new wave of heavy psych, which is you know the elder King Buffalo branch, oh, all yeah. the witches mm -hmm. and all that. 
And um, I'm the big, and then there's that Tammy and Paula and all that on the the rock, oh, wow, yeah. the, the the rock scene, which Tammy and Paula is like a massive band now. And there's oh, yeah. really a lighter set of rock of, of psychedelic that's kind of cool too. I like it. And so, yeah, it's along the lines of like an indie rock type of thing, you know? Yeah, it is a little bit. And you know, like I love Black Angels, and uh, mm-hmm. they're they're like the epitome of that psychedelic rock. Except they even they got enough guitars that it counts. Some of these other bands, they're even they're thinning out that guitar even more and still making it a psychedelic because they're using more keyboardy and all that. Which again, nothing's mm-hmm. wrong in the psychedelic world. It's just guitars got to be usually the king for me. I, I agree with you. Yeah, I, I need a little crunch. You know, I like a little crunch. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be huge. Or textures that. Yeah. Know, Some layered guitar. And, and it, yeah. One of those cool bands like that. You know, mm-hmm. but Earthless. Yeah. I mean, Isaiah Mitchell's the, in my opinion, he's the best a, guitarist um, on the planet. He's uh, he's right. And he can sing. Too, yeah. Oh, and yeah. he can sing, man. Like Golden, Golden Boy Boys. is Golden Boy, most yep. amazing music ever in the history. Like I'm oh, going to yeah, continue to bother it. him from now until eternity. Man, and I, I messaged him, and he we, we messaged back and forth some. And I'm just going to keep telling him how beautiful it is. I am going to buy the rights to him if I can. Just that, <laughs> it's just that guy. You, know, fucking, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. you can throw like the whole concert, you know, with visuals everywhere and a you know, fucking cool cool room with the right stage and man people would just go fucking bonkers to their songs if you oh, caught man, enough yeah. buzz or you ate enough shrooms that's for sure yeah well it's well yeah. you don't even need that once you enjoy it you don't but, even need that you don't you don't it helps it helps but you don't make it even crazier you know <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah oh hell yeah great man well, once again, the Heavy Galaxy Show, man. We can't wait to get this started. Uh, we've got some great guests coming up. We got some great things lined up. Like you said, we just this is just a sort of a kickoff, shooting a shit type episode, just to introduce ourselves and what we're getting ready to do. And uh, John, man, anything else you want to throw in here before we wrap this uh, this episode up? Nah, brother, I'm super excited. Everything's uh, everything's cool. I appreciate uh everything you're doing matt and have done and it's uh it's rad to be able to join forces with you and uh yeah, just likewise. cool stuff here we got a lot of neat yeah. neat things happening it's gonna be fun man we're gonna be fun and obviously we'll be talking about the heavy psych sound fest like i said you're going to joshua tree i'll be up here going to the one in san francisco so we'll definitely be uh definitely i think report on our both our experiences it's going to be fantastic um, one of the future shows, but yeah, man. So everyone out there and we're going to try to do this. Uh, our goal is to do it bi-weekly and hopefully with time permitting, we'll be doing this as a weekly show. That's our goal. But for now we're going to do it bi-weekly just to get things uh, kicked off. And once again, everyone just check us out on all the social media sites, every galaxy show, um, cmspn.com. We're on the CMS network. Um, you can go there. We're going to be all over the streaming platforms, the YouTubes, the, you know, every, we're going to be everywhere. So just go ahead and check everything out and uh, look forward to the next episode. And until then, we'll see everyone next time.